This episode is about lore, and more importantly, this episode is about the gods. Today on the By Gods and Kings podcast. By Gods and Kings takes place in the fictional world of Dunai. For more information on By Gods and Kings or any of the products affiliated with it, please check out our website at www.bygodsandkings.com. So let's say you've got 11 people who happen to have the knowledge collectively to create a realm from nothing but energy. And let's say these 11 people are cast off miscreants and criminals who have been exiled from their realm. Their punishment for various crimes was to be cast out into the void where they would wander for eternity. Their bodies would eventually become dust and their souls would become the energy that would eventually create another realm. However, these 11 had another plan. So in this episode, I'm not going to get into each individual god and each individual crime that they committed that got them cast out. That's something we're going to save for another episode and another time. However, I am going to get into the major story of what happened. So the of the 11... Eight of them were cast out before the final three. The final three were the three brothers who belonged to the royal family, Malarus, Darian, and Darilius. Those three were cast out because of an assassination attempt on their father and their brother. I'm not going to sit here and get into how Tingresia works, but let's just say they are basically immortal souls, and the three of the brothers would have never had an opportunity to become king, ruler, or whatnot, and so they tried to insert themselves into the equation. Well, that didn't work. They were cast out into the void by their own family. Now, this all centers on Darilius. Darilius ends up becoming the god of intellect in Dunai. He is the lore master. He is a brilliant. He's a genius. He's an archiver. And it's his genius that comes up with the idea of, hey, why don't we find others who have been cast out who may have the knowledge to create our own realm? Now, Malarus and Darien, of course, are both very ambitious, and so they go with a plan. And after years of wandering through endless nothing, they find eight others who possess the knowledge that they need. They find Valkus, because they need a forge master. They need somebody who wants Malarus and Darien, who have the knowledge of harnessing the raw energy, they need somebody to take that harnessed energy and make it a physical realm. Well, that's what the Forge Master is for. That's Falcus. After that, they need people to create the various elements of the realm. They need someone to create the water that would cool it. That's where xylene comes in. They need someone to create an atmosphere to protect it. That's where Talgis comes in. They need someone to create the illumination. They need someone to create the shadows. That's where Nerilil and Sayeria come in. They need someone to be able to create the flora and the fauna. That is where Dahar and Phalaris come in. And then finally, they need someone to create the laws. They need someone to create the rules, and that's where Vesia comes in. So, with Darien and Malaris becoming the god of chaos and order, and then Darilius becoming the god of intellect, each other celestial being took their own place on the mantle. They took their own spot. But this is where things started to go awry. Remember, all 11 of these people are criminals, cast-offs, exiles, miscreants. They're here in the void for a reason. None of these people are immensely altruistic or good-natured. They all have their own agendas. 
And when you put 11 people with their own agendas in a position of power, well, some are going to want more power than others. Some are going to want to subjugate the rest. That being said, Dorelius knew that there needed to be a head god, a master god, if you will, someone who would essentially be the one who would rule over the others and keep things flowing. Now, each god felt that it should be them who should be the lead god, with the exception of Dorelius. Dorelius, who was propositioned by both of his brothers, Malarus and Darian, instead went rogue and chose Vesia to be the goddess of law and the keeper of essence. She would be the person who would make things work. The reason for them creating their own realm was because they wanted the essence that would sustain them. They wanted sustenance. They wanted something that would allow them for eternal life. In Tangragia, they would create realms and subjugate them so that the souls of those who would die would sustain them. That would become their food. In the void, they would not get that option. So by creating their own realm, they now have that. But they needed someone to control the flow so that everyone would get their sustenance equally. So that when the souls of the fallen fall, they would then be allowed to consume them. So they needed someone to be the keeper of nourishment, if you will. That's where Vestia comes in. She created the laws of the realm, but then upon Dorilius's brilliance, she becomes the keeper of the sustenance. She becomes the person who sets forth the plans and keeps things balanced. And that's a very important thing to realize. When Dorilius did this, he put his brothers, not say against him, but they were a bit scornful. They were a bit upset. They had some abject feelings for him because of this, but both Darien and Malarus being the resourceful ones that they are, simply moved on and worked against Vesia wherever that they could. So upon the creation of Dunai, there were three realms, essentially. There was Dunai, in which every god had a piece of it. There was Dun uh, the central area, which was inhabited by the humans and other creations, and then every other realm was essentially connected. Then on and then there were two other little offshoot smaller sub-realms, where Dorilius would look down an archive and Vesia would essentially be up on her perch distributing the souls. Immediately upon Dunai being created, the gods started to create their own orders and their own factions. They created priests, they created abbots, they created a single high priest, and they instilled in humans the ability to take their knowledge and utilize their powers with something very unique. So they could essentially instill how to do things with their own knowledge, but they didn't get the perks of being the god. So, for example, Phalaris could teach his followers how to grow plants from the dirt, but they wouldn't have the immortality that Phalaris possessed. Um, a second thing that came about with the creation of Dunai was that the gods were originally allowed to be on Dunai. They were allowed to walk on Dunai amongst their followers. They were also allowed to have their own realm be a part of Dunai. It was attached. You could take a boat to it. You could walk to it. You could swim to it. You, They were essentially there. Um, Nerilil's realm of Solaria was attached to Darien's realm of Dolbach. They were all connected with the exception of Vesia's realm, which was the scales, and then Dorilius's realm, 
where he would look down and archive things. So the other nine gods were essentially always on Dunai, and with them having their own army of followers, this led to open conflict amongst all nine of them on there. There was no Cold War, it was nothing but open. They would each try to essentially one-up one another, and they would wage war. So what ended up happening was Vesia put an end to this War of the Gods by decreeing that all nine of the gods were no longer allowed to live on Dunai. Their realms were then cut apart, and so what ended up happening was Dunai would be in the center, and then all 11 sub-realms of each god was around it, connected, intertwined like a web. So where they came from, Tangresia, was shaped like a pyramid. Dunai was more like a donut. And this donut was created because Vesia decreed that they needed to stop killing one another so openly. The amount of souls that were coming in were becoming far too much for her to dispense at once. They needed to become more sustainable, else there was a chance Dunai would fall asunder. However, and this shouldn't be understated, the gods weren't willing to stop fighting just because Vesia decreed that they could no longer reside on Dunai. They were willing to keep fighting and keep waging wars against one another. They just wouldn't be active participants. So, on our next episode of Lore, we're going to get into the Second War of the Gods and how it shaped how Dunai is during Crystalline Dawn and the rest of the story of By Gods and Kings. So this is Chris with Scrib Crypt and one of the directors and developers of By Gods and Kings. I want to thank you all for listening to this episode. Uh, we're going to have a lot more of these and I look forward to uh, letting you guys hear it. Thanks so much. Hey everybody, thanks again for listening to the By Gods and Kings podcast. For more information on By Gods and Kings, you can always visit our website at www.bygodsandkings.com. But hey, you can also find us on Twitter at By Gods and Kings. You can also find us on Facebook and even Reddit. We look forward to giving more content to you guys. You guys have a great afternoon. We'll see you on the other side.